0: Greetings, humans. Once again, we return to the sordid vaults. I am the outsider, an overseer of eternity, one who can skip dimensions in the mere blink of a sub second thought. I am omnipresent in all that has been and all that is to come. I understand that for you, the listener, now is a season of good tidings and joy. An outdated folklore that you so desperately cling to for hope, love, and acceptance. But never mind, you do you. Let me twist your curiosity with a dark and fateful tale. Based during a festive ritual you call Christmas, greed, spite, and hatred own this tale. It all takes place during 1800 on a small dock on the coast of a quaint Welsh town.
1: I know it's Christmas Eve, boy, but somebody needs to be here to dock the Lewises when they return to shore tonight. I got a social at the pub with the fishermen. It's a yearly tradition. And I'm afraid, as it's just you and me at the moment, you've got the short straw.
2: Well, when are the Lewises due to return? We both know what they're like when they're out on the waters drinking.
1: Aye, that's why it's a short straw. But look, the fire's on in the cabin. I've left you some baki and a bottle of beer or two. And now, seeing it's Christmas, I've doubled your wages for the month. And it'll remain that way going forward you buy that girl of you was a nice ring, Clewin. You deserve all the happiness in the world, boy, after losing your parents the way you did. It was a damn tragedy how they died out there on those open waters.
2: Well, my father always said they would look out for me no matter what. You've, you've doubled my pay. You wait here a second. What's this? It's a Christmas present. Open it in the morning with your coffee before the children run you ragged. Merry Christmas, Stanley.
1: And a Merry Christmas to you, Clewin. Be sure to come by tomorrow around four. I'll have a bottle of port and some Christmas pudding waiting. Are you sure you both don't want to come for dinner with me and the family?
2: No. Fiona and I are having our own dinner in our new home this year. She went to the market earlier and she got the chicken and all the fixings. But, Mr Walsh, I'll be there at four on the dot with with Christmas bells on. Very good. The dog's all yours, Mr Jones. That it is, Mr Walsh. That it is. Oh, it's a keen wind. i best get myself in by the fire. Oh, that's better. Let's have a look here, then. Well, Stanley, you devil. Two bottles of beer, as told, and a bottle of Irish whiskey. Well, I shall save this for tomorrow. Now a cigarette, I think, to warm the fingers up. Hello? Who's there?
3: howl Good boy. Let me have a warm by the fire.
2: Scooch to the other chair. Come on, Mr. Morgan. What brings you to the dock at this hour on Christmas Eve? Treachery! My dear boy, treachery. Enough of Mr. Morgan.
3: Call me David. Go, get some tankards. I have brandy. I need brandy. They are against me, you know. The lot of them. The whole town. My so-called
2: friends. Now, I'm sure that's not true, Mr. Morgan. So- sorry, David. Why would you think such a thing? They all
3: say my nets are flawed. That they split... And the fish get away, and that my rope's no good, not even for hanging a dog. They all buy supplies from Griffith, from the next town over. But I'll show them how strong my ropes
2: are. They'll see.
3: They'll see.
2: That's not true. We use your ropes here on the dock, and your nets and they work perfectly fine. Some of the ropes here are years old. Then why do they say it, huh? They're against
3: me. They want me gone. There's no money in selling nets to the dock. That's me away. Let me top you up there.
2: I won't be needing all this tonight. Fionn, my love, what brings you out? It's so cold
4: out there. When Mr. Walsh arrived at the pub, I couldn't bear the thought of you all alone on Christmas Eve. Mr. Morgan, a pleasant surprise, how are you? Fionn Richards,
3: the night bodes me well.
4: And how about yourself?
3: And please, David.
4: I'm very well, David, thank you. Frozen to the bone, but I'll soon warm. I see you're spreading the festive cheer yourself. I've only brought two mince pies from Mrs. Bramble's bakery, so we'll have to share.
3: I was about to take
2: my leave, but a mince pie is an offer I can't refuse. Thank you for coming, but you really should have stayed at the pub with the others.
4: Christmas is a time for being together, my love.
2: I do love you.
4: And I love you.
2: Come, sit by the fire. Here, I shall grab another tankard. Pass
4: me the
3: mince pies. I'll divvy them up. Being a roper, I always have a good knife in my satchel along with a few lengths of my finest ropes. How's business been for your father this winter?
4: Business is good as far as I know. As long as there's bellies to feed, fish need to be caught, as he always says. Aye,
2: true, true. Uh, Would you like some beer or are you sticking to the brandy? I'll take a tot of beer. That's very kind of you. So tell us, Fionn, who's swizzled at the pub?
4: Well, my father's grumble of fishermen have been drinking since three, so they were all a touch worse for wear.
3: And uh, what's the topic of conversation this evening?
4: Well, Geraint has been telling tales of the strange creatures caught whilst trawling. He said he caught one last week with a human-like face, one eye bigger than the other a horrific beast named Ahab.
2: (laughs) Very good. And what of Mrs. Bramble? Has she started dancing on the tables yet?
4: Not quite, but I could see her warming up in the back of the pub by the door to the outhouses. Honey, talk of rope or nets tonight, Fiona? Rope? Not to my knowledge. Come on, don't
3: be
2: shy. I know they mock my wares and skills. David, I suggest we leave off this conversation. Fionn has no business in buying or using rope as a florist so I suggest we keep these mutterings and gossips for the people who speak them. Like her father you mean? He's the one that instigated the boycott. Mr Morgan, I shall not ask you again. Maybe it's time you took your leave. Be a good boy
3: and pass us another tot of beer. I'll take my leave
2: when we have had our mince
3: pies.
2: Maybe the alcohol isn't helping this long tongue of yours. I'll tell you when I've had enough, boy. Chloe. After his beer and mince pie, Mr. Morgan will take his leave. It is Christmas after all. That's right. But taking
3: one's leave has a new meaning for me as of earlier. Shall I tell you both why?
4: If you think it will help you finish your mince pie more promptly, please do.
3: When returning from collecting firewood from the forest, as I can no longer afford to buy any, I found my good wife, Nicky, screaming howls of hysteria, floods of tears. I couldn't get any sense out of her. So, I went to check on little Abigail in her nursery. <laughs> there she was on the floor of her bedroom. Her beautiful brown eyes. As dead as the fallen wood that I had collected. My God! Eusefian, with no money to buy firewood, We had to bundle her up in blankets to keep her warm overnight. She must have wriggled herself free and pulled herself over the confines of her crib. And what with there being no fire to warm the home, that is where she lay as she slowly froze and finally perished. Her cries went unheard
4: with the crushing
3: and wailing of
2: last night's
4: Mr Morgan, that's horrific. My deepest sympathies.
2: And what of Nicky? Who is she with now? Nicky's with
3: Abigail, boy. Her mind was gone after finding our child's contorted body from her icy demise. I tried to snap her out of it. I gave her a dram of brandy, but she spat it back in my face and kept clawing at my arms. I slapped her over and over, but she too had left me.
4: What are you saying, Mr. Morgan?
3: When a woman... See, something like that. Not even God himself can bring her back to reality. So I did what had to be done to save her from the confines of the Mill Creek Asylum. I took her to the old oak tree out back where the three of us picnicked during summer and
4: i i i howin uh...
2: david i insist we leave i will escort you to the police station and as gentlemen we will do the right thing and you will explain your actions oh i won't be doing that you see when placed in a position
3: such as this. Revenge is the only course of action. Now, I was planning on going to the pub to kill Fionn's father and as many of the other fishermen as I could get my hands on. But the grace of God has presented a new opportunity.
2: How dare you! Take your leave now, or I'll be forced to- Forced to what? I'm twice the size of you, and
3: three times as strong. Oh, you think you can stop me with a bottle
2: of whiskey, do you? I'll die trying. Fionn run! (coughs) Ah! 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 Damn you, David. Let her go. Take me, but please, I beg of you. Let her go. If I were you, I'd stay very still. Those
3: nooses around your necks are my strongest rope. One slip off that fence and your boat goners. Then we will see what your father has to say about my craft. You know? I'm surprised at you, Lawan. Where was your act of revenge? When the Richards family
2: took yours? What happened to my parents has nothing to do with Fion. No,
3: but it was her father that sent their boat out on the seas that day. We all knew that storm was coming, but your folks had no money to feed you. They were desperate and he forced them into it. He didn't care about them, the same as he doesn't care about you, me or my beloved family now. As long as there's bellies to feed, fish need to be caught. Money over everything. So let's see what happens when I take his everything away.
4: <laughs> David, I'm sorry about what happened to your precious child and doting wife. I really am. I hate my father for what his plans have done to you. But there, there are other ways to go about this. You could go through the courts and the courts. And what will I get him done
3: for? Slander, lies. What he did was cold and calculated. He wanted me out of the picture, so his pal Griffith could take the business and cut him in. That decision of his will cost both families everything. Take one last look at each other, because your time here is nearly up. I'm going for the brandy.
2: I'm so sorry, my darling.
4: It's not your fault, my love. My father did this. At least we'll be leaving the earth and entering eternity together.
2: Just like my parents. Maybe this is destiny. Some sort of curse. If only I could hold you in my arms.
4: Clawin? What is that?
2: I have no idea. It's some sort of dark creature from the deep. Maybe it's the Grim Reaper. Or maybe it's some sort of tollsman for Heaven's Gates. Merry Christmas to you both.
3: I'm sorry it had to be this way. What the hell?
2: This can't... this can't be. Mother? Father? How is this possible? Always look out for you. No matter what. Don't go. Please stay for just a while. The fire's warm in the cabin, we can talk of old times, and you need to meet Theon. Mother, stay a while longer. I beg you.
4: Come, let's get into the war.
0: Love you both. Thank you.
1: Let's see what you got me here, then, Clewin boy. A book. A hangman's diary. The journal of Master Franz Schmidt, public executioner of Nuremberg. 1573 to 1617, odd choice.
0: And so it is. Never underestimate the power of love. What can we learn from this festive tale? Maybe Never try to kill a person next to where the ghost of your victim's parents lay in wait? Maybe never let a drunkard in your cabin? Lessons are lessons, and here there are many. Fionn and Lewin were found safe and well huddled by the fire in that little cabin of theirs, and they never did tell anyone what really happened that night. It was told David went mad that he tried to hang them but failed and ended his life by walking into the cold, murky waters. Eventually they had children of their own, and when Stanley the dock owner passed, Lewin took over the running of the dock. They did see his parents once more, but that would be a story for another Christmas. No matter what you are celebrating this time of year, do cherish your loved ones. Although you pale in insignificance in the grand scheme of things, love is important. Find comfort in that.